0: Welcome to Investing for Ocean Impact, the podcast making the business case for conserving our ocean. I'm Dorothy Herr. Today, we're talking about environmental economic accounts. This is a new idea that promises to transform the way we understand biodiversity and ecosystem services. Countries and companies alike keep balance sheets and should have sound science-based data to decide on new future investments. Having better standardized accounts for the ocean seems like the logical next step. But this is still uncharted territory. How can you break down the natural world onto a balance sheet? What processes need to be in place and what challenges need to be overcome? Today, we'll find out what the very first pilot projects in Australia have been showing. That's why I'm joined by Krista Bradley, Director of Environmental Economic Accounts at the Australian Department of Climate Change, Energy, the Environment and Water. Hi, Dorothy.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. And Ben Milligan, Secretariat Director of the Global Ocean Accounts Partnership or GOAP. Pleasure to be
2: here. Thanks, Dorothy.
0: So I want to start with the basics so we're all on the same page. What are environmental economic accounts? Crystal, can you start us off?
1: Sure. So environmental economic accounts are really a way to present data and information on the condition of the environment and its relationship to our economy. Um, they track our ch- uh, the changes in natural wealth and uh, help us understand the benefits of the environment to the economy and society, as well as um, the impacts that we have on the uh,
0: environment. Ben, do you agree with that description or where would you elaborate a bit?
2: Absolutely. And the idea of this approach is not new. It was very much a feature of intergovernmental discussions about the environment back into the days of the uh, early UN conferences on environment and development and all of the discussions around sustainable development globally. If we go back to the big Rio conferences in the early 90s, there was a lot of discussion about how we bring together environmental information to make it visible to investors and economic decision makers and environmental economic accounting applied to the ocean or any other issue is the product of all of those hard discussions over decades.
0: And what are maybe some of the services and benefits that are accounted for and any coastal or marine examples you could give us?
2: Marine and coastal ecosystems, the nature that connects us offshore and, and on the coast, provides a, a whole suite of services. Generally speaking, these are divided into broad buckets. One is often called provisioning services, the food, the fuel, and the fibre that we get from nature of our oceans and coasts. Another is regulating and maintenance services. This is how nature helps manage risk, things like mitigation of climate change or protection from storm surges and flooding. And then there's another broad category of services, sometimes called cultural services, lots of different names for that broad category, which captures the fact that we also have a deep affinity with nature we have spiritual connections we have cultural connections recreational connections and these aren't always easily manageable in purely quantitative terms but they're very significant and we should also consider them for accounting purposes so the accounting process is all about trying to make those visible to decision makers in structured ways
1: can i add to that dorothy that uh, these accounts are prepared in in accordance with a global system of environmental economic accounting that's endorsed by the United Nations. So we have this wonderful, consistent international framework that is actually consistent with the system for um, national economic accounting, um, which makes these environmental economic accounts interoperable with our traditional economic accounting
0: So does that mean both within the national system it will be integrated and comparable, but also internationally between countries? So is there an effort for standardisation?
1: Yes, and that's the intent. And Ben might like to add to that as well.
2: This comparability across countries of environmental data and the insights we get from well-organised data becomes really important for scaling of finance because if we can't compare performance From individual project to individual project or policy to policy, it's difficult for investors to get an insight into the risks across projects or to combine different nature focused projects, whether it's restoration or conservation, into larger aggregate investments that really work at scale.
0: And how do you then, in terms of, you know, this is a very science based approach as I understand, looking at these different uh, services of the, the ecosystems to bring them into national accounts. But how do I have to imagine that I have data information from the field? How do they make it to the balance sheet of a country, Ben?
2: Well, the key words really from my point of view are, are structure and standards. So we have internationally agreed ways of bringing this information together. And that includes within it a structure that helps all the individual specialists that are concerned about the environment and the ocean to develop knowledge that's bigger than the sum of its parts. So within the global scientific community, you have many deep experts that measure particular aspects of particular environmental systems, how economically important they are, how we relate to the environment. But in every individual study or assessment, there tends to be a great diversity of different metrics and different methods. So the accounting is about bringing a degree of comparability to those in a common framework so that they can all live together and provide collective insights rather than small-scale individual ones. And and this is exactly analogous to how accounting for the economy works. So we have lots of diverse sets of economic information in every country around the world. We have tax records, we have survey-based data for what businesses are doing and what they're investing in. And the national accounting process is all about bringing that together so it's in common formats and that's really powerful because we can get high-level insights that are relevant to big decisions and gross domestic product, the main indicator output from national accounts is, is a really good example of that. So the environmental economic accounting for the ocean or any other environment is all about how we go beyond GDP to make nature visible in decisions which typically excluded nature historically to our detriment.
0: Great. Well, Crystal, this is of quite a high importance to Australia, right? So maybe you could tell us a bit about the experiences and efforts that are ongoing in Australia at the moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Environmental economic accounting has been happening in Australia for quite a while at various scales by multiple different types of organisations. Most recently, um, the Australian government's work in the environmental economic accounting space, specifically for the marine environment, has been accelerated through our participation in the high-level panel for a sustainable ocean economy. We started working this space uh, with a relatively small pilot in Geograph Marine Park off the western coast of Australia. Essentially, we developed a set of accounts to examine the multiple benefits of this newly established marine park. We procured Idea Group to develop the accounts, and they focused on the seagrass ecosystems in GeoGraph Marine Park, the carbon sequestration and storage benefits provided by those seagrasses, the nursery services they provide that benefit commercial and recreational fishers, also looked at whale watching tourism and uh, the potential threat of large vessels anchoring in that area of the bay. That work kicked off in around 2019 and finished the year after that Um, was really fascinating and helped us understand the multiple um, kind of values of that marine park from a baselining perspective, but it also helped inform our design of national level monitoring and evaluation frameworks that were being established. Um, Importantly, though, it um, really gave us this insight into what we could do at a national scale, and that led to our next major piece of work on um, developing Australia's first national ocean ecosystem account and it focused on um, the national seagrass ecosystems as well as salt marshes and mangroves. And using the uh, national census data, we were able to produce some really interesting information about the way that um, salt marshes and mangroves in particular protect homes and people from storm surges. And for the first time, we've got official national statistics about how many people are benefiting from those services and how many homes are being protected. And that work was done by the Australian Bureau of Statistics, who we work in close partnership on a daily basis. So from here we're looking forward to um, planning more broadly how we can roll out national environmental economic accounts um, beyond this uh, first national account into the future. um, The National accounting work is a decadal process and takes a long time to mature and um, goes through continuous improvement processes. So it's really exciting to be on that journey.
0: Indeed, uh, very exciting. Ben, hearing this story, what do you reckon? Is this the way to go? Will other countries hopefully follow Australia's lead here?
2: Well, they're rapidly growing and Crystal's described an amazing example of how Governments and experts are working together to organize information that supports decision-making about our protected area system and then how that developed into broader national insights for policy about the benefits of a whole range of coastal ecosystems for climate change and other benefits related to de-risking of our lives through nature-based solutions These are good examples of a trend that is really rapidly becoming global and there are at least 30 countries around the world that are pretty seriously trying to develop ocean accounting systems, targeting not only conservation and management use cases but strategic planning for economic development informed by nature, planning of offshore infrastructure, investment from the public sector in different fiscal interventions related to how we develop the ocean. The the use cases of this are, are as diverse as country circumstances are diverse. But a key theme really comes down to measuring what matters to help our progress towards sustainable development. And this responds not only to the bottom-up efforts in individual countries but it's now very much on the political agenda. Crystal mentioned the High Level Panel for a Sustainable Ocean Economy, which is a coalition of serving world leaders that meet on a regular basis to discuss coordination on ocean-related sustainable development challenges. They have a heads of government commitment as part of their package of commitments related to how we manage the ocean, focusing specifically on ocean accounts and valuing the ocean environment. Very recently at the Global Biodiversity Conference in Montreal, we had specific commitments emerging there about the need to develop ocean accounts as a foundation for how we manage marine and coastal biodiversity. So we have political level movement and then we have a whole range of bottom-up actions in different contexts, different experts, different government officials and the private sector all working together all over the world. And the Global Ocean Accounts Partnership, which was mentioned, which I support as Secretariat Director, is a coalition of like-minded institutions, some government, some non-government, some international institutions who just try and connect the global community together. So everybody knows what everybody is doing and how we can all band together to identify mutual lessons learned Given the urgency of the challenges we face and the the criticality of of measuring progress towards having a different future for our ocean, that has nature firmly as the foundation of long term prosperity.
0: Thank you, Ben, for that. I mean, the yeah partnerships collaboration is is a big key uh, going forward. But in terms of challenges still in the field or in the broader community of ocean economic accounts, can you mention? What are you and colleagues still grappling with the most?
2: One is that uh, ocean accounting is really important, but nobody is really an expert. This is all very new. It requires many different disciplines to all work together with a mutual appreciation of the fact that we are trying our best but entering uncharted territory for a common purpose. So that's one broad-scale challenge. Some more specific challenges that I guess are apparent to to us here at the Secretariat based on what we see of the global experience. Organising scientific data is a real challenge and getting consensus, expert-based consensus around specific measurements. So how do we measure, for example, using what indicators the risk mitigation of a coastal wetland in terms of flood protection for local communities. What what do we actually do to measure that on a regular cost-effective basis? Or the fish nursery benefit of a coral reef. Coral reefs, we know in general terms, are very critical to global fisheries, which are critical for global food security. So there's a whole range of nested, really physical measurement challenges that push scientists to think outside the box a little bit in more collective terms And not just focus on individual studies, but on regularly deployable methods that can be used to generate accounts on a regular basis. So that's one challenge. And then if you zoom up a level into the economic assessment, how do we come up with valuations in monetary terms of the importance of the environment that are appropriate to different circumstances, are not amenable to misuse in decision-making contexts and and are robust for decision-making purposes when, when governments and other institutions make very large investments. They need to rely on good metrics. So it's really about bringing all those different niche questions together in a common process and also in a public sector context, working across different institutions And if we're really serious about developing good ocean accounts that support good investment, we need processes for sharing data across sectors, and that's as much an institutional challenge as a technical challenge. But the responses to these challenges are proliferating really quickly, and and you've heard a wonderful example of that from Australia.
0: Indeed, Crystal. Did you encounter any of those challenges in both the project and the more national-oriented efforts you already described?
1: Yes, absolutely. And um, just touching on that multidisciplinary nature that Ben was referring to through his answer, that's a real challenge operationally. And it's, I guess, in two main perspectives, we've experienced that um, doing the national accounts. One is in finding mechanisms, the most appropriate mechanisms to incorporate a really wide range of different expert inputs into the account development process and that is fairly a novel um, process you know it requires more collaboration than we've needed to do before and therefore new structures or altered structures to support that. The other aspect is in co-designing for end users where we Have been very focused on ensuring that the accounts developed are designed so that they are really useful to decision makers. Um, So, incorporating end user needs into the account design process is another factor. Again, it's a completely different group of stakeholders. And building the structures to support those inputs again um, is, is a new challenge. And yeah, I, I think it's a global challenge that we're all on a journey on together. Um, and I have not yet seen anybody who's got all of the solutions yet <laughs> on those um, those challenges.
0: But great to have an effort like the Global Ocean Accounts Partnership that can indeed bring Bring together the lessons learned but maybe crystal staying with you in terms of you know the the examples that are coming forward now do you already see or in a way have feedback from your colleagues at the ministry of environment or the planning bureaus that this type of information you know is well received and can help channel also national budgets into a different different way
1: i think um, the national ocean ecosystem account has provided a lot of opportunities to inform the funding of blue carbon ecosystem restoration activities because of the scale that the work was done. I think it's also given us an opportunity to talk to everyday people about their relationship with these ecosystems. Um, Some people might not know what salt marshes are, let alone the fact that they're protecting their homes. I think it presents a huge opportunity. How it is integrated is still something we're experimenting with, but also the potential f- f- there is is huge as well. The more that we do this work and understand how it relates to our economy in, in specific examples, the more that we'll be able to integrate more deeply.
0: And Ben, do you see other actors coming to the forefront from a more Uh, yeah, let's say not the usual suspect (laughs) in terms of looking at these numbers, being interested in those um, accounts. Do you see other players coming to the forefront?
2: One thing that really excites me about the state of play with ocean accounts is the genuinely multi-sector nature of all of the collaboration activity. In the sustainable development goals, there was a lot of aspiration around Radical collaboration across sectors in Sustainable Development Goal 17 in particular to solve the challenges we all agree are, are critical for our common future. And we're genuinely, in my view, seeing evidence of that in the ocean accounting space. To give you a few examples of that, so all of the government progress around embedding this in different types of government decision making at local scale and global scale, that's one efforts in the private sector to incorporate environmental risk and values into different kinds of decision making whether that's local businesses looking at targeted collaborative management of coral reefs or mangroves to support their fishing activity at very community scale or all the way out to big multinational enterprises looking at their carbon footprint or supply chain risk so there's there's an interest in accounts in that context and then in civil society and the non-government sector, better ways to communicate the value of their activities and make arguments to those making decisions at scale about how those decisions should be made differently. So there's a common thread running through all of this activity of better organised information that reveals our current status. And if, in coming back to the theme of this podcast if we're going to get a scenario which we almost all agree we need of much bigger investment broadly defined in how we protect nature's wealth in the ocean and elsewhere we have to reveal that and we have to reveal that in really transparent robust ways because people who spend money are legally and in many other ways accountable for that investment so they need to be confident that if they spend $100 a hundred dollars on restoration of a wetland or any other coastal system that there will be certain benefits and that there will be certain risks and until we reveal that it's it's easy to say we need the change, but we we actually have to really put it into action, and that's that's the potential we have here in the aligned interest i think
0: and Crystal, do you also see an increased interest from the private sector broadly or sort of different financial actors? that are starting to more collaborate or even further collaborate on this topic around ocean economic accounts in Australia?
1: Yes, very much so. Um, I think the demand for reliable measures of biodiversity in particular is just increasing um, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon with the prospect of biodiversity markets um, on the horizon It really is essential and I think what um, is attractive about the environmental economic accounts in part is their delivery by um, national statistical officers who have the authority and independence to um, provide the information and it really is uh, trusted. It doesn't need to be questioned or doubted. And these are the kinds of authoritative measures of biodiversity that I think people are really screaming for um, so that they can make these um, uh, decisions confidently about where they're investing.
0: Great, thank you. Well, I sort of wanted to finish off by an example which is a collaboration between IUCN, the Global Ocean Accounts Partnership and the Australian government um, around the Blue Carbon Accelerator Fund. It's an exciting effort to help project developers on the ground around conservation and restoration efforts and actually in its newest sort of call for proposal we're looking at for project developers around implementing some of these efforts on the ground. And Ben, I wanted to ask you, can you tell us a bit what you're expecting, how the Global Ocean Accounts Partnership will collaborate with those developers and what type of information you can help them uh, come to the surface?
2: Thanks, Dorothy. Sure. What I find exciting about that collaboration is the opportunity to really work closely with on-the-ground practical nature restoration activity and co-develop local scale accounts with them. Um, So you could almost view this as small business or small enterprise accounts but with a nature focus beyond the typical focus you would expect from, from any accounting of enterprise at that scale. A lot of the ocean accounting that we tend to engage with or connect is much larger scale, national local areas, et cetera, and this, this very practical project-specific approach is going to generate a lot of lessons learned about what individual nature-based entrepreneurs focused on restoration can feasibly measure within the context of their own activities. Uh, so that's really important to com- create the supply of this information and mainstream that supply potential across all aspects of the private sector. And give these, I guess, activities an an opportunity to demonstrate the results and value of what they do in a way that is accessible to a much broader range of people than would particularly be the case or typically be the case rather. It also creates an opportunity to combine stories across different projects. So the projects being invested in through the BCAF, which are, predominantly, if I understand correctly, in in Southeast Asia, but also a bit of a global story where we have thousands and thousands of local-scale nature-based restoration activities. And if we could tell a common comparable story about all of those, that creates opportunities for much larger-scale investment and a very different risk profile for investment that would typically be the case. In pension funds around the world, we have massive portfolios of many billions of dollars of investment in all kinds of enterprises aggregated together. Imagine if we had that for nature and we just can't do that without accounts. But we're not quite at the stage yet where we're really confident as a global community about how exactly to cost effectively do that at, at private sector local project stage. So that's what the, the Go Up collaboration with IUCN and the Australian government through the BCAP is really going to get stuck into over the next couple of years and we really look forward to taking anyone interested on that common journey transparently
0: indeed an an open invitation for collaboration and crystal can we count on australia to take these lessons learned to the global stage and inform further thinking on this process well yes we we
1: um very much involved in the international forums where we can share this information we all really are on a learning journey here as ben says there are no experts in ocean accounts and um sharing our experiences is really important um and um Yeah, I I think the ongoing collaborations um, with um, different organisations and different sectors um, is really important and um, I look forward to seeing it all continue.
0: Indeed, a space to be watched for the month and years to come. So I thank my guests, Crystal and Ben, very, very much for enlightening us into this, which can be a very technical uh, discussion, really giving us some some highlights and example and also an outlook for the future. So thank you both very much for this conversation.
2: Thank you so much, Dorothy. Dorothy.
0: That was Crystal Bradley and Ben Milligan joining us to explain ocean economic accounts. Next time, it's the finale of season two. We have some all-star guests from the conservation world lined up to join my colleague Mina Apps for a high-level discussion on ocean finance. We're taking a short break beforehand, so do listen to that episode when it arrives in about a month's time. Investing for Ocean Impact is a fresh air production on behalf of IUCN, the International Union for the Conservation of Nature. It was produced by Phil Sansom with production assistance from Anthony Hobson. To find out more about the subject, visit our website, bluenaturalcapital.org. I'm Dorothy Herr. Thank you for listening.